Today's to-do list. Weed the garden. Quick trip into the market to deliver the berries to Mrs. Scott, then into the volcanic zone to take out a Cerberus so I can finally finish the new oven element I've been looking forward to. <sighs> Miss Luna's going to be pleased. This week on the podcast, join me, Zach Walsh, as I talk with Chris Pellick about the upcoming cozy monster hunting game, Cottages and Cerberus. Create a hunter destined to make the coziest of homes in this game of stakes and community. Cottagecore hunting and cozy feelings are all up for discussion right here on Schedule for Launch. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I'm incredibly excited to be joined by an amazing creator I've had the chance to be able to talk to for the past couple weeks now as we prepared for this interview. Chris Pellick, thank you so much for coming onto the show this week to talk about the cozy and deadly game, Cottages and Cerberuses. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for having me here. How are you doing today, though? Like, we've been talking about this for a while. I'm excited to have yeah, you. Yeah, um, it's been a really good day. I'm very pumped <laughs> for this. We were talking a little bit about this before because you'd sent me the newer updated version of Cottages and Cerberus. And I finally got to see some art for this game outside of, I think there was like one, but it was a Google doc last time I saw it. Yeah. And now it's, it's all colorful and the art is so emotive and adorable. And then you have these amazing monster designs and I'm, I'm really excited for people to hear about this game, get kind of a first look at this because I'm pretty sure that the the word's not out like huge on Cottage and Cerberus yet. And no, I am very bad at marketing. I'm uh <laughs> um I don't do social media anymore, which I'm trying to mm-hmm. do again for this. Um I have a pretty strong group of like local people who know about mm-hmm. it, but online I'm trying to rev up as quickly as possible for the Kickstarter. Yeah. We talk about it all the time here, but like social media is the worst part about getting out there it's like hey i made this amazing thing and now i have to go try and get people to come and look at it but like it's so hard to get eyes on there and i'm i'm really excited to be helping get the word out here i really appreciate it (laughs) chris before we get into cottages and cerberus could you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do yeah so I'm Chris Pellick. I am a giant nerd. I've been playing TTRPGs for almost 18 years, going on um, in June. Um, a lot of those early years very much is referred to as lonely fun. Because uh, <laughs> I was a child without friends interested in the hobby. And that sh- really kind of shows with some of, some of my design goals and something that you can entertain yourself when you aren't playing the game. Um, I am a software engineer. I've done, I've had about three, two, two to three years doing video game programming and design early in my career. Um, and then really fell more into that tabletop space as I've gotten a bit older. Um, I have notes because I'm <laughs> really good at talking about myself. Um, I, I, I'm a total nerd. I hyper-focus. By hyper-focus, I mean I obsess about like five projects at once. Mm. Um, I lift every day and I make sure to make that nerdy because I have spreadsheets. <laughs> I love it. No, that's great. I think that it's it's really interesting because the more and more I talk to creators and this I'm not going to pose this question to you. It's something I'm starting to notice more frequently. We've had a lot of software engineers on this show and it's like it's like software engineers can't stop designing because they're like I need to go analog, no electronic, going to make something physical. Let's design a game. Yeah, I I am nodding my head. Yes, a hundred percent. So we're here to talk about, like I said, cottages and Cerberuses. 
which is incredibly cute, very interesting looking. And when you pitched it to me, the words you used were, imagine if you were playing Animal Crossing mixed with Monster Hunter. And I was I was a little taken back by that because they're very different games. And k- kudos, you, you did it. I've read it. It's really impressive. But what is Cottages and Cerberuses? So it is exactly what it says on the tin. It is a rules light in quotes tabletop RPG. Um, the core gameplay loop is you have a cottage or your party has a cottage. You go hunt a monster and then harvest it for parts to improve your cottage. Um, it is heavily inspired by watching my partner play Animal Crossing. Um, I myself have most of my exposure to that game has been from Hay. Mm. And yeah, it's is meant to be a cozy game, but something that if you want to something a bit darker, it has the roots to grow something larger. Mm-hmm. It is supposed to be easy to pick up, but you can also spend five hours trying to min-max your perfect fire mage or whatever. <laughs> um, and I could go on listing these dualities because it's something that is meant to be a lot of things at the same time. It mm-hmm. is meant to be a flexible game. It's that flexibility that I wanted to bring up there too, because you mentioned that you could either min-max your fire mage or you could hop in with a quick start character. The options to start this game when you are creating your character can either go by really, really quickly and just get you in there and get you playing, or you could spend a considerable chunk of time ensuring your character's really, really strong in one area and can do like a lot of things, including combat or being able to talk your way through situations. And I think it's, you can talk about min-maxing in just about any game, but the way that you've approached it with, uh, I believe it's called the calm system. Yes. Um, well, really calm is your attributes instead of yeah, strength yeah. decks. Calm is your charisma, alchemy, or magic, lore, mm-hmm. and muscles. Yeah. But I think that those are such good stats to start and round out how this game works. So could you talk a little bit about what it's like to create a game that's both really easy to get started? Because I think I told you this right before, if I wanted to run a game of this, I just need to hand my my players some pre-made characters and we could go. But also like, so something that could be started really fast, but also has a lot of depth if you want to do it that way. Um, A lot of that just comes from how I run games myself, where I have people who have various investment levels mm-hmm. in the game. Um, I tend to play crunchier systems like Pathfinder 2, which was a huge influence. With, But I'm also a role player. Um, I can take a, fi- a five-minute encounter and stretch it to three hours of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, and so for me, it's choices should be just a good thing. More mm-hmm. choices is better. People do get paralysis from that. So you need to find ways to kind of add a funnel, basically. So your first choice is, are you making choices or not? Mm-hmm. If not, choose a quick start. If yes, here are all your choices. Yeah. And... I love that. I think that you've done it in a really cool way. I think something that we see a lot in the indie tabletop space is we get a lot of these these games and like not throwing any shit at them at all because some of my favorite games are these really short one-shot games. And this game has built in various written ways to suggest how to do it in one shot, but you've really designed this to be a multi-session, somewhat long 
game if you want it to go that way. So I, I love it. I think that it's great. You have this system for ranking your cottages, which we'll get to in a little bit. But I, I'm i really impressed by it. And I think that the guy that you got me, you sent me, is 150 pages right now. And based on what's in there, I'm expecting it to grow a little bit more. So <laughs> I'm... So right now we have a, um, so you have a column. Most of your capabilities come from your abilities. This is like mm-hmm. make a spell fire. Um, I've already written a hundred extra abilities. We have about 25 monsters right now. Um, we are going to have at least five more unlocks via stretch goals. Mm-hmm. And then I also have Things like a village generator unlocks mm. via stretch go- gales. Um, NPCs kind of based off of har- Harvest Moon is that where you can quickly ah. have NPCs that you level up your relationships as an optional mm-hmm. rule. And then I will also have a tier to basically design a monster that will be added to the book. So I'm guessing there would be at least a 250 pages. Wow. Let's keep going into that because the monsters and hunts specifically are arguably my favorite part of this game. Uh, players out there and listeners out there who are interested in cottages and services might think that 25 seems like a fairly low number of monsters that is not the case here. So each monster is set up as its own basically mini story on how to track, hunt, fight. Like it's its own challenge. So it's super cool. Can you talk about designing hunts and maybe one or two of your favorites that are set up for an example? Oh, because I, I can I can attempt to do that. Um, <laughs> so when we say 25 monsters. These are 25 bosses. Um, yeah. Think Monster Hunter we, on that one. Yes. Um, this is a boss battle. I have some rules for weaker minions that are really just supposed to make the player feel really good. Mm-hmm. Um, these are supposed to be the big boss fights. So each fight, each hunt is a little mini game. Essentially, them. I really looked at kind of that game design of you're building up to something bigger. It's supposed they might not be challenging. Some of them are, mm-hmm. and they build up to a final confrontation. Um, often, make some of them might hint at what you will face in that final combat. And in total, I would say. Each thing is an hour to an hour and a half, um, including the fights. So these are pretty like full, complete, small game sessions. Yeah. I think the best way to sum it up, and if I'm reading it correctly, and this is really clear to me, more or less what will happen is the party will start the game and they'll more or less agree on what they want to build or upgrade in their house. And then the GM goes through and chooses a monster that they think is applicable for that. And then the hunt begins. Yes, that is 100% correct. Um, It's so cool. And going to that, you could, if you're familiar with TTRPGs, you could pick up this game. You and your players could read the quick start. The whoever is a GM chooses a monster, and you could get going in ten minutes. It's really straightforward, like in the best way possible. Yeah, um, and but it's very much. I wanted a lot of mm-hmm. complexity, um, but very approachable complexity. Um, favorite monster is so hard because <laughs> they're really good. They're very very good. Uh, there's almost every single one could be favorite in some regards. Favorite design-wise, favorite hunt, favorite lore. Um, mm-hmm. 
there's a lot to each of these monsters. They're like three pages. And then like yeah. a lot of them have like a full page art piece to show you what they look like. It feels like somebody handed the player characters in world a book and was like, here are the things that are out there. And some of the art we very explicitly some of the art I really love colorful art. Some of the art is very Master Hunter inspired. Some of it is very, very Pokemon inspired. Um, yeah. I I love Masters because of Pokemon and Digimon. Um, but some of it is supposed to evoke a medieval bestiary um, with mm-hmm. like rough sketches. So Iron Blood is a Master that I really like. I was telling you a bit about it. It has the yeah. deadly tag, and it also kind of shows this is a cutesy game. It doesn't have to be cutesy if you do not want it to be cutesy. It's the origin of the species is dark, not, yeah. but also dark like a Grimm's fairy tale tale that mm-hmm. someone would tell their kids long ago. Um, yeah, going with that a bit. These are hard in the quick start. I recommend you use the easy mode, which decreases the difficulty of every check by two. Mm. This, um, because I balance them assuming you know the game. If you don't, make the game easier. Uh, All of them kind of follow this mathematical formula of how the fight ramps up because I want to really control the emotions as a game designer. So the boss starts stopping you. They all have these abilities that activate right away, and then they have these abilities that recharge. You probably will lose half your spoons, which is our version of health. And round one. And then usually people end with one left. Jeez, that's real tight. Uh, It's, um, I've ran (laughs) over last week, and I ran about 25 um, sessions just by myself playtesting and everything was like balanced to the round. So let's actually look at that for a little bit because each hunt, like we said, is it it kind of has a bit of a formula to to each one. So what are some of the common parts of a hunt? Um, So usually you might have to do some sort of tracking and while you're tracking the monster from above, from far away, will curate some sort of long-range attacks that you'll have to try to dodge. Um, If you don't, you'll lose health. Sometimes it might show you some of what they will be doing in the fight, or you might be fighting some minions. Um, There is some, um, the Rosehorn Ravager um, likes to drink nectar from giant flowers, that might trigger you to reveal a bit of your backstory, for example. Um, some of the sunflower serpent is a big snake that looks like a sunflower, and you kind of are trying to play your back mole. I just love the uniqueness of it because some of them involve things like riddles, and some of them involve, like you said, monster fights or, or minion fights or tracking. And there's just like a lot like uh, I think the one that popped up on for me was the Camila mental. Oh, uh, yes. Which is like the most terrifying game of hide and go seek. Yeah, you're trying to find it and it keeps running away while damaging you. But it also gains more and more elemental power. It's a chameleon elemental. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's drinking on elemental energy while you fail to find it. Basically, it's super cool. I, I just love the personality of the monsters. You had mentioned, though, briefly spoons in this game, which is the equivalent of HP. So let's talk about spoons, losing spoons, and gaining spoons. Because if a lot of people are like, I'm going to be losing HP getting up to this thing, how do I get that back? So let's talk about that a little bit. So yeah, spoons... Um, it comes from a um, theory on chronic health, on chronic pain, and mental health. 
your spoons are basically your capacity and the theory to do things. Some days, if you have really, if you are really sick, you do not have the spoons to do basic things. You have to budget to them. So I kind of took that and made it my research system. It is your health. It's kind of your mental health. It is your capacity to do things. This is a dice pool system. When you fail, but you get at least one success on that roll, you beat the target number. I'll assume people have a your audience know a bit yeah, about dice pools. Yeah. Um, if you only get one or two of those, you can still succeed, but it costs a bit more of you. You succeed at a cost of your spoon. You also lose spoons via damage um, when monsters attack you. So, but you can regain spoons. There's a few abilities, few healing spells, but you also have your vibe. It's one of the core parts of your character, and that defines how you regain spoons. And extroverts, I think I called it cheers, regain spoons every time you start a scene with your buddies. A introvert regains spoons every time you start alone. And then obviously, mm -hmm. for balance, they gain a bit more. One of my favorite is photosynthesis, which reads, you aren't a plant or you probably aren't a plant, but sun is still good for you. If you start a scene outside, you regain spoons. There are a lot of ways to get them back, which is yeah. good because the monsters in this game hit hard and they hit fast and they can take a player down really quickly if you're not careful. Because like you said, there is still some crunch to this game, even though it's supposed to be a bit of a cozy experience. So what happens when you're all out of spoons? You don't fall unconscious. You just can't succeed on anything. Any check fails automatically. Your capacity to affect the world around you mm -hmm. is gone. Um, which also means there's no death in this game. But that also means I'm not scared of making it possible for the players to lose and you have to retreat. Mm -hmm. um, which for some players might be a hard pill to swallow, which I think is great, especially from a storytelling perspective, um, where you butcher a boss fight, have to escape, and try it again. I think there's a really cool storytelling possibilities there. Yeah. When I was reading that the first time, it reminded me of when I was, I think I was about 12 or 13, I was playing Monster Hunter Freedom 2. And I ran into my first Elder Dragon that wasn't uh, the Thunder Horse Kieran. And I believe it was a Teostra. And I'm not mm -hmm. sure how familiar you are. Well, you said, yeah. And it yeah. ripped me to pieces. And I was like, oh, I need a whole different tactic on how to deal with that. Because that was a, a new experience. It reminded me of that, that like retreat, regroup. How are we going to go for this thing? Yeah, it's exactly that, which I think is not really common in TTRPGs. No. Uh, and it would be, I hope players go in with an open mind um, mm -hmm. of losing can be cool sometimes. Yeah. In a game without death, I think it drives home the point a little bit more to the, the entire concept to me of, I, I love death in games. I love failing in tabletop role-playing games, but a lot of the times when you play games like D&D uh, &D or even Pathfinder 2nd Edition, there is still a pretty good expectation that most of the creatures, you can win the fight. Like, mm -hmm. And sometimes in this, it might just be we're not ready for this. I have not playtested one of the monsters, the hardest monster, and I'm not sure if I'm going to. I <laughs> might just be like, challenge. It might be unwinnable. And there's a part of me, like, as a archer stew part, so it would be like, that'd be kind of cool. I might <laughs> balance it. We, we will see. But yeah, um, I think it's very interesting. Uh, and it just kind of opens up the possibilities. Um, Mm -hmm. of the type of 
games and stories you can tell. Yeah. So let's go down right to the theme of this game, though, because there are two, really. There's the duality where we've talked a little bit about dualities and such. The other one's the actual, like, setting and vibe of this, and that's the cottagecore aesthetic. Yeah. So tell me about where the love for cottagecore came from. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of like, I mean, it's cutesy. I've definitely mm-hmm. have um gotten, as I've gotten older, gotten away from that super mask, don't like cute stuff, and maybe have just like doubled <laughs> down on I missed some shit when I was a kid. Um, yep. But it's also just the... So there's kind of two parts. There's the idea of cozy games like Animal Crossing, um, mm-hmm. where I've just spent like hours watching my partner play Animal Crossing, Harvest Moon. So that's just some really sweet, slow, to me, sentimental time. Um, yeah. And kind of also like, you can just kind of play a game that has no meaning, which is mm-hmm. so weird. Um, you can just... <laughs> um, it's just chilling with your friends a bit. A very... I guess there's a goal. Um, then tying back to the idea of duality, really thinking about why these are some powerful characters, maybe pr- more powerful than the normal. Why are they mm-hmm. just in this small town. I've written some backstories for... There's one character that I actually wrote as a D&D game that never got to, off and running. Yeah. That's the cute cat in the red hood. Oh, I love that design. I saw that that one stuck out to me so quickly. So, that, so the ideal there is that she was in a polyamorous marriage and then the village was under attack, and mm. she made a deal with some eldritch being. No one for remembers her. Oh, um, and sad. yeah, and so the kind of like like that was a lot of inspiration. Was she's just kind of living by herself in a cottage in the woods, killing monsters to sustain her life, and that's kind of a big influence on. Why would someone live there? Um, mm-hmm. What are the actual parts of living this type of lifestyle? It's a bit bloodier than the yeah. Instagram shows us. <laughs> I think that that, first of all, is a very interesting way to go about it. Because I can think of a couple DD or other tabletop role-playing game characters that I'd be like, I just want them to retire and like just live life cozy and comfortably but the other thing there that you mentioned was sustaining herself and one of the things that can help a player in cottages and servers is cozy coin can you tell me a little bit about the meta currency cozy coin how it works how you get it because i know that a lot of that comes down to the cm yeah so largely this is because i played pathfinder 2e and i misread the number of hero points that you're supposed to give and then i realized you can change that amount to change Mm -hmm. the tone of the game and so basically cozy coins are mainly used for re-rolls um i call it fortune it's D D 5e advantage. Yes, you re-roll anything that didn't beat the target number. There's a few other uses I've added, like you could use it to ignore an attack. Um, That might not be in the rule book yet. Um, Mm -hmm. But so, I pitch cozy coins as the current currency to make the game more cozy. Um, Mm -hmm. I suggest two cozy coins and it takes a bit of the edge off. You can also gain cozy coins during the game by doing something that is very aesthetic or really cool role playing. <laughs> One of the things that really ties to that too is cozy mode which is more of the cottage life aspect than the hunting life and it's gathering resources and that kind of side of it. I think I can't stress it enough. You've gone 
a lot of ways to see that this game is written in a style that no matter the tone that you want from this game, you can get that out of it. Like, like I said, cozy mode, for instance, which is, if I'm reading this right, it's easier monsters, less fighting, more time in town at the cottage, visiting NPCs. I love it. I think it's, I think it's great. Why make sure that these are all included though? Um, I mean, I've talked about that a lot, but she was really influenced to how I see the game. My partner should have been addicted to RPGs since she was 12. She did not meet, <laughs> um, play an RPG until we had been dating for like three years. She was 25. That's an issue with the industry, I think. Um, <laughs> the way, the fact that we don't make games that are approachable to a wide variety of people. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, she loves hitting things too, but she also could easily just have a game about taking care of the cottage. Um, and that was a really big influence on not um, on inviting people to play mm-hmm. different type of games and to get people who might not be super into certain type of games to try RPGs because, man, are they a drug, and I wish everyone was addicted. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things. I, I look at it, too. I look at the way that the show has been shaped by my relationship with my partner as well, and I can get that. Like, there, there are things that change just by the people we're around, and I, I think that's very sweet that that you've made sure that it's, it's I mean, inclusive. She also life. yelled at me because she was like, I was like, this, she was like, no, there needs to be rules about cozy mode. I was, <laughs> I wrote it like, as a, like, you don't have to fight monsters. She was like, no, there needs to be rules about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Ultimately though, at the end of the day, and I mean this in game too, what matters most is the cottage rink. And, yeah, and how you're judged by the amazing god of the moon, Miss Luna. So, can you tell me about where Miss Luna came from? And that was also how the her. cottage rink came up. That was also her. Oh, um, <laughs> um, she was on a like single cup of black tea, probably. Um, and we did a play test, and she wrote this all out, and I was like, I'm keeping it. Um, it. <laughs> But it really works because it kind of gives, um, in railed, um, it gives like this is an actual thing because a deity yeah. says it is. Um, so can you talk a little bit about what she does though, and who Miss Luna is? Because we we've totally forgot to talk. Miss Luna is the goddess of the moon, and each night she judges your cottages, um, and as your as you do work on your cottage, um, this can be curating magic items from monster parts. It can also be things like tending to the garden. There's a, there's no list. It's kind that is a whatever the players want. You give them a check. You can increase your coziness, getting cozy points at, at a certain amount, which is also tunable. Um, when you rank up, you increase the rank and you and then at certain parts she gives you rewards including extra spoons um the most recent version actually accidentally got some of this cut but you got she gives you cookies every night if your rank is at least five fresh baked moon shaped tea when you get to the like Nine or ten that will instantly restore your spoons. Um, I might expand it out a bit uh, as I do a, get more eyes um, and more experience with the system myself. Mm-hmm. What makes Miss Luna so fun is that while your character has their individual level, it kind of gives you as a team uh, a collective level. It reminds me of the ranking system in Blades of the Dark. Yes. Like, that's, I think, the best comparison I can make. It's a little bit different because it's based on what you do around the cottage and 
taking care of yourself and how well you're doing in hunts. So I think that it's, it just works a little bit different, but it's this nice extra little flavor that players can sink their teeth into. I mean, yeah. Um, it can also be used of how you level up. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be, though. Yeah. So we actually didn't talk about it there, but what what kind of dice system does Cottages and Cerberus use, and how do you determine target numbers and the such like that? Yeah, so it uses D6. It only uses D6s because my local game store stopped selling single dice, and I wasn't easy, easily able to get like 50 D12s. Wow. Uh, okay. I, I, I have a love for the D12, but I think D6 is probably the right way to go. Um, <laughs> target numbers tend to be... Um, I there's some guidelines, but two is um one one is the easiest. It is possible to still fail one if you have mm-hmm. penalty some really bad penalties. Um, or you're out of spoons. Yeah. Um, two is you're probably going to succeed. Um, three and four are kind of what you will encounter most often, and if there's GM is assigning something. Well, CM, technically, it's the cottage master. As <laughs> um, assigning something on the fly, you mm-hmm. should probably do three or four. And then five is difficult. The math behind the chances of hitting four versus five is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And then six is really strong there is you probably should not use that unless you've been playing for a while yeah it's your real late game monsters and it's uh it's it's a lot of really dangerous situations or things where you really shouldn't probably succeed is when six starts to become an issue. yeah um i've had um just kind of showing the ability to min-max, usually, like, the most amount of spoons you can get is six at level one, and it doesn't... Not spoons. The most amount of dice you can roll is six, and it doesn't increase. I had a person roll 15 dice and fail. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Um, And, like, they succeeded at a cost, but... Yeah. And so, kind of, I think this is actually a great time to then usually I'm like, there's a right way, there's no r- wrong way to play RPGs. Um, There's a wrong way to play this RPG. There's a right way to play this. The game is all about teamwork. Um, yeah. Boosting, buffing is always the best option. Um, mm-hmm. Which is th- thematic. It's a conscious yeah. choice because Cottage Core community is a one of those many themes we've talked about. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because a large, another setting theme for it is community, and that really does play through in how players can get best results. And I think it's right in the book. It tells you that, like, you succeed as a group. Yes. I distinctly remember that. So, was that like really intentional when you first came oh, in? Like, I want to make sure that this is yes. included. Um, it was fully intentional. Um, you, you should. Everything is a group effort here. Um, and also, there should never be a leader. Certain people are going to be better at certain things, and then the other people should support and buff those people. Then, but then mm-hmm. other matches might have be more magic resistant. So your physical fighters need to be on the front line while the other people are buffing. Mm -hmm. Another really important part, because like I said, this game does seem designed for long-term play in mind as, as its base rules, I should say leveling up. There are a lot of options and I think that they're great. The idea that you can level up and just be like, I'm getting a pet now. Like. Yes. Um. So yeah, we didn't mention that. So yeah. <laughs> character curation. You assign a calm. 
Do you pick three abilities out of like the two hundred ish that we have? Um, you choose your vibe, then you choose an equipment, or you can choose a pet. So let's talk about that because pets work in a very interesting way. That yeah, are great. If I remember correctly, they somewhat act as your weapon at times, depending on what they are. They, they're basically a second character. They get a yeah. full action during combat. They have their own health, which is just boons. They have their mm-hmm. own calm. Um, they seem weak, but are probably one of the strongest options. Um, and they are really cute. Uh, yes. Oh my gosh, I love them. Some of the art is very good. Um, I'll say this. So there's a few, including a baby mushroom dragon, a baby shark dog, a baby Cerberus, because obviously the Cerberus was based off of pictures of my pup. Yeah. Uh, oh, I love that. The, um, the Cerberus that's in the hunt is so scary. Yes. So I was just like... Yeah, uh, I I adore that. The like I said, I love the pets, probably because I adore animals and the such. But the pet system's very fun. I like having that second character option, and I say that loosely because they're a little bit different. But I also like in character creation that you don't have different species or ancestries or races because at the end of the day, they're all they're all living this life and they might have, you might assign abilities that help you flush out what your character's backstory can do. Cause there's so many options and this game's all about options. I love it. I love it a lot. (laughs) I mean, I slightly mentioned that I spent like my year, my eighth grade year, not studying and trying to build every Naruto and Kingdom Hearts character with D and D third edition. That's all. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> so that's where my love of options and stuff come from. Um, also, interesting. You said that this seems to be built as a campaign game. This was at one time a one-page RPG. Really. Yes. Wow, that you wouldn't uh, know it when you're looking at 150 pages. I, was, <laughs> I wanted a challenge to get myself to actually make a game because I have a bigger game idea that I've been working on for a long time. And okay. I was like, I want to get this out. And then I was like, okay, I'll put one page of RPGs and then I'll make a like little printable cards and there'll be like 20 options and like three monsters and there'll be and then I started to really like what I made. So what inspired you to make that then? Because we haven't heard that. That's usually something we talk a little bit about is the origin but how did this start? Where did it come to be from? I was walking my dog and I was like animal plus monster hunter. Wouldn't that be funny? Like, like that is distinctly. Um, that's it. <laughs> that's literally it. And then I like wrote like once I stayed up to like five a.m. and wrote like twenty pages that evening. Oh my goodness! Uh- <laughs> um, I've been game, oh, but also I've been game designing for a while. I always yeah. have ideals, and so it's just kind of like. You file things that don't work, and then when you have an ideal, you go through that and pick and choose what will work. Mm-hmm. I think that's so interesting, because a lot of the times I feel like those small ideas become big ideas very quickly. And I've heard about content bloat, but one of my favorite things is that the game doesn't feel bloated. And yes. it's, throughout the entire package, it still stays very precise to its core, the duality of First you relax, then you fight to go back home and relax some more. And I, I like that. I think that it's it's very sweet. This non-toxic work-home-life kind of situation that you're doing in this game. I love it. And I think it's super unique. It's, like I said, I'm, I'm flabbergasted by this game. I adore it. It's, that means yeah. so much. Uh... <laughs> well, like... you're welcome. 
Yeah, like it's yeah. easy as a game designer to be, especially since I have lots of game design experience, mm-hmm. haven't really done a lot publicly. A lot of it has yeah. been video games, NDAs, that type of stuff. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's really great to hear people think it's cool. I think it's cool. Um, I think it's <laughs> unique. Um, the biggest compliment a friend told me was that it's very Chris, which is me, which is like, yeah, um, I run lots of games. If you play games with me, you'll understand that. Otherwise, you'll understand that if you read this. Yeah. And I think it stands out. Even just talking to you like this, it it does start to stick out, and I, I really like it. But one of the more important things that we're here to talk about, really, is crowdfunding. So first of all, yeah. when can people expect for this to go live? Because as of today, we are recording this on May 9th, not to date this too much. So we're, we're recording this on May 9th. When are you looking to throw this up and where are you looking to throw this up on? Um, So I'm throwing this up on Kickstarter. Um, I find out next week if I'm launching in June, awesome. July, or August. I have this one influencer there was only one that I reached out to. There was that I for sponsorship because they are the only person who I felt vibed with what I wanted. Um, yeah. And they will let me know next week. And they're like the only person who I think is worth it for the success of the game uh-huh. to delay it. Um, if they do not have the availability in later this summer, probably. June, I want to say 12th, okay. 13th, um, probably June 13th is what I would be aiming for. Either way, listeners, we'll keep you posted on that after this episode goes live. We'll make sure that you know when Cottages and Services goes live. Chris, we're starting to run a little on time here, though. So yeah. We got to start wrapping this up there. So having listened to a couple episodes, I don't need to explain the next bit there, but I ask it at the end of every episode. What advice can you give to those new designers out there looking to create their own project, but they're really not sure where to start? So the first time I listened to you, I was like, obviously, it is just do it. Every single person answer as just do it. <laughs> um, and I do agree, but that might not be that. Might, that's not new advice now. Um, no. So. It's good advice, but it's not new advice. (laughs) All right. So I'll give two actual pieces of advice. um, Vertical slice. You have this big ideal. People always say, don't have a big ideal to start. People are going to have big ideals anyway. Cool. Pick a part of that ideal. Hammer it out till you hate it. Throw it away. Do it again. And focus on just this one part of the game till... It will never be perfect, but you will either be sick of it enough, you'll be sick and tired of it where you won't fidget with it, or you will really like it. The second uh-huh. thing is, if you're listening to this, you are a nerd. Hopefully you have other <laughs> friends who are also nerds. Do a game design jam. Twent them. You could just set aside 60 minutes one Saturday, uh-huh. just throwing ideas, trying to each make a very small game. Um, my goon squad, as we call, we every three months or so, we design together. We discuss about what we're doing. Having a community is such a encouragement. It really gets you working. It also gets you thinking. Yeah. No, I think game jams are excellent advice it's been a while since we've heard about game jams here i participated in game jam i made a game if i can make one you can make one because my games my game's rough but people who've played it said it's fun but i think that's great advice like just work on something fine-tune it you want a good core game gameplay loop like people wouldn't play DD if they hated the combat that's why I don't play D&D right. that much. I don't like the combat that much in that game. So I don't play D&D I mean, anymore. Uh, 
<laughs> I mean, same, but <laughs> sometimes it's easiest to hop in on that game. Yes, uh, it's just it's if you want to play a TTRPG, you can find a TNT group. Chris, where can people find out more about yourself and cottages and Cerberuses? Um, all right. So right now, we um the main place to find this would be twitter.com dash cottage core no space underscore rpg which also is a link to i should have a link to the discord which is a few people but growing and in a few days i'll launch the pre-launch page for the kickstarter might be up by the time you put up the web the podcast awesome as always, audience, those links are going to be down in the description below. When it goes live, make sure you check out Cottages and Cerberuses. This game is gorgeous and it's adorable. It's really easy to play. I mean, really easy to play. And you can get really into the nitty gritty of it. There's a lot of really cool options for it. And the hunts are so cool. This is a great game even if you just like art. I'm not going to lie. The art is so, so good. Aside from that, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Excellent. It was a pleasure. It was great having you on. I, I love learning about Cottages and Cerberuses. Audience, thank you for listening. Chris and Cottages and Cerberuses are scheduled to launch really soon. Go check it out when it goes live. Until next time, though, take care of yourselves, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye. Thank you so much to Chris for joining me on the show this week. As it stands, I don't have the full release date for when the Kickstarter is going to be going live, so keep your eyes peeled on socials to get that update when it's announced. Cottages and Cerberus is, is adorable. I don't have any other really deep words to say about it. This game's so cute, and it's a lot of fun. It's got a lot of options for you and your friends to pick up and run with. You can get into this game really quick. I really recommend it. It's awesome. I don't use that word a lot, but I love it. This game's so cool. Plus, there's some really cool community stuff that's planned to come out, and I didn't get a chance to talk about that because it's new information, but I'm really excited for all of you to see that part. So, on release, make sure you check it out. I'll let you know on social media somewhere. And of course, thank you for listening, audience. Things have been picking up a lot around here with scheduling new episodes and getting people on. I can't say I'm doing stellar at it, as I'm telling you this while I'm standing in a full leg brace, which is healing nicely, by the way. Episodes will be coming down the pipeline, though, so I promise to get them to you as soon as possible. Please continue to share the word, and I'll do my best to get some new faces on here. That's all from me for this week, though. Bye, and I hope to see you somewhere out there. <laughs>